0: All right, go ahead and have a seat. We are in the final weekend of our series, Spoken Word, where we're reading through books of the Bible in the way that they would have done it back in ancient days, like when they're originally receiving these um, texts, that's how they would have been hearing them. They would have been listening. Uh, And we're going to continue to do that. And we've got a video for you to watch. The Bible was never meant to be read. Its earliest audiences would have listened as the letters and prophecies were read out loud in public. Hearing the word read out loud invokes new understanding. The original audiences would not have heard single verses but entire books in one sitting. These audiences understood the context of this scripture, leading to fewer theological errors and less severe positions, policies, and procedures.
1: Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Great to be with you today. Great to feel just a little bit, day by day by day, like the world is coming back to normal. Nice to see some chairs in the auditorium. Nice to see people coming back to church. It feels good, right? feels really good. So thanks, all of you, for being, yeah, you can clap. That feels good, that's right. Thanks, all of you, for being cautious and being concerned and being good. And uh, today, we just want to, again, and again, and again, and again, again, to just declare that we feel the best hope for the future. It's Jesus. It's Jesus who enlivens our spirits. It's Jesus who clarifies the thoughts in our mind. It's Jesus who gets us up in the morning. It's Jesus who keeps us moving forward believing that better days are coming. Amen. Amen. So, with that in mind, man, we want to give. We want to give generously, sacrificially. We want to bless you and thank you for your faithfulness with giving. But usher as you come forward, let me pray for the offering and then I'll tell you what we're going to do with our our sparkling grape juice this morning. Uh, Spoiler alert, we're gonna drink it, but I'll tell you how. <laughs> Lord, we bless you and thank you because you're so good to us, God. In, in a time when, when everybody else is bad to us, in a time when we are confused, in, in times when we feel like the whole world has lost its mind, Lord, you are wisdom and knowledge embodied. You are understanding. You are hope and promise and love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. And so we put our hope in you because everything, everything good is yours. All God's people said, amen, amen. amen. It's, a, it's hard to imagine for us today what, what it would have been like for some of the earliest Christians. Um, and, and one of the weird things is like the way we do church is different than the way they would have done church. I mean, night and day different. The, the way we read the Bible is totally different than the way they would have read the Bible. And so I want you to kind of have your biblical imagination fixed a little bit. Because back then, when, 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 when churches just started gathering, what they would do is they would, they would go to the Jewish synagogue, and they would sit through Jewish worship services, which were largely lectures, you know, with a little bit of singing. But a lot of the people who were going to the synagogue weren't, weren't Jewish, so they didn't really understand what was happening there, and they had to have Jewish Christians kind of explain it to them. They were getting it secondhand. And, and so more and more groups of Christians would start meeting, like, in, in their back room, in their homes. Or, or like in barns or stables, sometimes in catacombs, sometimes in parks. These groups were often really small, like like smaller than us here today. Maybe only a dozen, maybe a couple dozen. At the largest, they would have been maybe as many people are in this room right now. You know, I don't know, seventy-five, hundred, whatever. But I mean, really small groups. And, and and because they didn't have a Bible and because they didn't have songs, everything was everything was like uh, spiritual gossip. Like, hey, did you hear what happened to Paul? Well, I heard he was going to write us a new letter. Yeah, we need one, because the last one didn't help very much. It was really super short, and there was a lot that he left out. Yeah, well, maybe he'll send another one. What about Peter? He can't write for crap. We don't know what he's thinking. I mean, this is a, all just gossip. They, we didn't even have the, the biographies, the narratives of Jesus' life, the gospels, until way later. So everything was second and third hand, and it was all like what you heard about Jesus, and what you heard about Jesus, and we weren't sure which things were allowed. And consequently... When when the word came out that we were going to get a new letter, that Paul wrote a letter or James wrote a letter, I bet they were unhappy when they got that one or whatever, you know, then everybody would would gather and and a reader would stand up like we're going to do today and read the whole letter out in its entirety to a group of people. And then they'd sit there and go, well, I have no idea what that means. Much like when you read the Bible and you have no idea what it means. But they'd hear it and then they'd, they'd talk about it. And they would start having dinner together. And that's why we're gonna uh, do toasts this morning, is because they would hear the word, they would discuss the word, then somebody else would read the word again, and they'd kind of spend the evening, you know, maybe three, four hours together, mulling over what it might have meant, reliving certain portions, glomming on to other portions, and embodying it, it as a community. So five different times today, in our reading of Paul's letter to the Philippians, we're gonna we're gonna have a toast. So I'll ask you, when those times come, to please stand and raise a glass. Let's practice it now. You stand and raise your glass. If you, if you don't have anything in your glass uh, and you wanna pretend, that's cute, but you could also you know, flag down an usher and they'll bring you something, okay? And, and then I'll say something out of the letter to the Philippians, and you'll see it up on the screen, whatever I say, you know. for example, rejoice in the Lord always. And then there'll be a, a response that'll show up on the screen. And you'll say the response. So it'd be something like, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. And then you would say, rejoice. And then you drink. Now, don't drink at all, you, you grape juice bibbers, you pigs, you know. <laughs> uh, and then because you got to make it last for five times. Go ahead and grab See. Uh, But again, what we're trying to do is give the sense that we're living through the scripture the way the earliest Christians might have done back in the day. So let's roll this introduction to the Philippians and then we'll start reading.
2: This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all the followers of Jesus, pastors and ministers included we greet you with the grace and peace that comes from God our Father and our Master, Jesus Christ. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ. And I am sure that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it when Christ returns. You have me in your heart as I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in my defense of the good news, you share in God's matchless grace with me.
1: God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. Please stand and raise a glass. This is my prayer that your love will flourish. Love much, love well and learn to love appropriately. Love much, love, much.
0: love, love well, well
1: and learn, learn to, to love, love appropriately. appropriately.
0: That
1: was you may be seated. <laughs> you need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental. Live a lover's life, circumspect and exemplary, a life of which Jesus can be proud, be bountiful in fruits from the soul. Make Jesus Christ attractive to all, getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of God.
0: I want to report to you that my imprisonment has had the opposite of its intended effect. Instead of being silenced, the message has prospered. All the soldiers here, and everyone else too, found out that I'm in jail because of Christ. That piqued their curiosity, and now they've learned all about him. Not only that, but most of the followers of Jesus here have become far more sure of themselves in the faith, speaking out fearlessly.
1: Some, it's true. Are actually preaching Christ out of envy and rivalry towards me for no better reason than a competitive spirit or misguided ambition but there are others who preach Christ out of goodwill and a loyal spirit they preach from a place of love because they know that I've been put here by God to defend the gospel that former group preaches Christ insincerely out of selfish ambition and self promotion so how am I to respond I've decided that I'm unconcerned about their motives, whether mixed, bad, or indifferent. Every time one of them opens their mouth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this, I rejoice, for I'm confident that this will turn out well, both through your prayers and the superabundant supply of the Spirit which sustains me. I'll never be ashamed, but will continue to be bold, just as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. To live is Christ. To die is gain. If, however, I'm to go on living, this will mean useful and productive service for me. So I don't know which to choose if I'm given the choice. I'm hard pressed between the two. I have the desire to leave this world and be with Christ for that's far, far better. Yet it's more necessary for your sake that I keep living. Since I've convinced of this, I know that I'll remain with you for your progress in the faith so that your joy may overflow in Christ Jesus when I come to you again.
0: Remember, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then we will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting for the faith.
1: Stand united, singular in vision, contending for people's trust in the good news, not flinching or dodging in the slightest before the opposition.
0: Your courage and unity will show them what they're up against. Defeat for them, victory for you, and both because of God.
1: There's far more to this life than trusting in Christ. There's also suffering for him. And suffering is as much a gift as trust. If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life. If being in a community of the spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor, love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. To the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that jesus christ is lord to the glory of god the father please stand and raise a glass jesus christ is lord to the glory glory of god God the the father You may be seated. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. Now that I'm away, it's even more important. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it's God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure.
0: Do everything without grumbling or disputing, so that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not labor in vain.
1: But I'll rejoice, even if I lose my life, even if my life is poured out like a drink offering upon the altar. You should rejoice also. For your faithful service is likewise an offering to God. Please stand and raise a glass. Rejoice in the Lord always.
0: Rejoice Rejoice in the Lord Lord always. Always.
1: You may be seated. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who ruin their bodies. For we who are born again have been spiritually transformed, renewed, set apart for God's purpose. We worship in the Spirit and exalt in Christ Jesus, placing no confidence in what we have or who we are. Now, you know my pedigree legitimate birth, circumcised on the eighth day an Israelite from the elite tribe of Canada, strict and devout, adherent to God's law, fiery defender of religious purity, a meticulous observer of every statute, the very credentials of which these people are so proud, I'm tearing up and throwing out, along with everything else for which I used to take credit. Why? Because of Christ.
0: Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus, Everything I once considered a benefit is now insignificant. I've discarded it all so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him.
1: I don't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules. Instead, I want the robust righteousness that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. I want to know him personally. I want to have the same power in my life that raised Jesus from the dead. I want to understand his sufferings and share in them and be like Christ in every way possible so I come back to life.
0: I'm not saying that I have already become perfect, but I am well on my way, <laughs> reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me.
1: Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward that which lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of Christ Jesus. So please stand and raise a glass. Press ever onward. Press
0: Press ever ever onward.
1: onward. You may be seated.
0: Everyone who pursues spiritual perfection should have this attitude. Let us stay true to what we already know and eternally
1: have. Stick with me, friends. Keep track of those you see running the same course, headed for the same goal. There are many out there taking other paths, choosing other goals and trying to get you to go along with them. I've warned you of them many times. Sadly, I'm having to do it again. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things.
0: But our citizenship is in heaven. We're waiting for the arrival of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who will transform us. He'll make us beautiful and whole with the same power by which he is setting everything right.
1: Therefore, my fellow believers, whom I love and long for, my delight and my crown of victory, Stand firm forever. Please stand one final time and raise a glass. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Rejoice. You can be seated. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them.
0: Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God.
1: And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.
0: Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things.
1: Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that and God who makes everything work together will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Now I'm far happier than you'd ever guess. Happy that you're showing such strong concern for me once again. Not not that you ever quit praying. You just had no chance to show it. Not that I'm speaking of being in need. For I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and want. For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength.
0: You can be sure God will take care of everything you need also. His generosity exceeds even yours in the glory that pours from Jesus.
1: And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To To God God, our our Father be be glory glory forever forever and and ever. ever. Amen.
2: Give our regards to every follower of Jesus you meet. All the Christians here, especially the believers who work in the palace of Caesar, want to be remembered to you. Urge Euodia and Syntyche to work out their differences and reconcile. God doesn't want his children holding grudges. Indeed, I ask you to help these women cooperate, for they have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel. Together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. I hope to send Timothy to you soon so that I may also be encouraged by learning news about you. For I have no one else like him who is so kindred a spirit who will be genuinely concerned for your spiritual welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. But you know how Timothy has proved himself. Like a son with his father, he has served me in preaching the good news. I hope to send him to you just as soon as I find out what is going to happen to me here. And I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to see you soon. But for right now, I'm dispatching Epaphroditus, my good friend and companion. You sent him to help me. Now I'm returning him to help you. He has been wanting to come home. Especially since recovering from the illness you heard about, he's been wanting to get back and reassure you that he is just fine. He nearly died, as you know, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, he had mercy on me too. His death would have been one huge grief piled on top of all the others. So you can see why I'm so delighted to send him. When you see him again, hale and hearty, you'll rejoice and I'll be relieved. Give him a grand welcome, a joyful embrace. People like him deserve the best you can give. Remember the ministry to me that you started but weren't able to complete? Well, in the process of finishing up that work, he put his life on the line and nearly died doing it. You Philippians well know, and you can be sure I'll never forget it, that when I first left Macedonia province, venturing out with the message, not one church helped out in the give and take of this work except you. You were the only one. Even while I was in Thessalonica, you helped out, and not only once, but twice. Not that I'm looking for handouts, but I do want you to experience the blessing that issues from generosity. It was a beautiful thing that you came alongside me in my troubles. And now I have everything I need, and keep getting more. The gifts you sent with Epaphroditus were more than enough, like a sweet-smelling sacrifice roasting on the altar, filling the air with fragrance, pleasing God to no end. Only
0: our God, and provide everything we need and so much more than we could ever ask or imagine. Take your glass with you this week and be reminded of what he's done for you. Be blessed. Go with God.